Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on this amazing day, the second Sunday of Lent. It's February 28, 2021. Almost said 2001. Okay, I've been around for a while. Um, I greet you and I'm grateful that you have made it a priority in your life to come together as a part of the Stony Brook Fellowship to be encouraged and to remember who God is in our lives. I also greet you for Pastor Jennifer Casey, who will be our morning preacher. We know that Pastor Bob, our emeritus pastor, continues to be winterizing in the South and will soon be home. Some of us cannot wait. Um, Ben Lilly, our director of youth ministries, will be our online uh, host and fellowship greeter. Tell him your prayers, ask him your questions. He would love to engage with you. Each week, we encourage you to connect up with the congregation. I saw somebody say, stop by and say hi. And you can do that through the Connect card that you'll find on Facebook or at uh, our webpage. It is also the place where we can share our prayers and allow ourselves to participate in God's generosity with the world through our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings. Our mound of toilet paper is growing, but it could be bigger, so we're always grateful for the privilege. Want to plant a seed with you today. Uh, Next Sunday, the United Methodist Church will recognize and remember that we are all a part of the United Methodist Committee on Relief. It is a part of our structure. It is a part of our bones that allow us to be nimble and flexible in the, in the situation of emergencies. One of the best kept secrets about the United Methodist Church is that we are regularly and often the first ones in to a catastrophe and the last ones out as we follow through with the good work of healing. Gifts will become a part of their ministry, so you are invited to do that. Another thing we'd like you to know is that we are in the season of letter writing, and if you would like to write each other, or particularly the teachers, and we're kind of focused on the high school end of things, not limited, but intentionally focused, because what we found out is that there are uh, folks or certain pockets that tend to get overlooked and we don't want anybody to be overlooked because it's kind of a Jesus thing. If you can't seem to find what you need online, please feel free. The office would love to help you and even help you navigate. I'm Mary Jo Yakel, and I'm privileged to serve as one of the other pastors of this congregation. And I am blessed to say that I got to do Bible study on Zoom this week for the first time and live to tell the story. I am so proud of this old girl learning new things like everybody else. As my friend keeps saying, zoom, zoom, and I'm able. Um, And I'm grateful for the way in which it was so awesome because I almost didn't need my car to get home. I was so excited. Just a little food for thought. The prayers that you are hearing during the season of Lent at the beginning of worship come from the United Methodist Hymnal. And I wanted to let you know that that's where they are from. In case you happen to have one of those, you can leave through there and find some very 
powerful prayers. My brothers and sisters, we'd like to offer you a moment where you can center, release what you're carrying in your hearts, and be guided into the presence of the worshipful spirit of God with this prelude.
Let us join together in this opening prayer. Lord, we pray not for tranquility, nor that our tribulations may cease. We pray for thy spirit and thy love, that thou grant us strength and grace to overcome adversity through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the people said, Amen. Let us sing together. I invite you into this sense of prayer as a prayerish. We remember that the way in which we connect to each other is experienced in our hearts and our minds. I remind you that no matter what, Jesus meets you right where you are. Let us pray. With our brother Paul, we too trust the promises of God. We stand firm on the foundation of Christ. We trust God's constant presence. We stand firm on the foundation of the living Lord. We live to serve God. We live to love others. We live united as a community of faith as we stand firm on the foundation of Christ. 
Forgive us, mighty God, when we doubt your strength. Assure us, faithful God, when we doubt your constant presence. Renew us, loving God, when we neglect to love others as you have loved us. Empower us with your strength and encourage us with your steadfast love. Unite us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we might live with a faith that honors you and abides with a hope that encourages others to know you, your love, and your grace. For we choose to be people who bear the light of Christ, especially when it's easier to just fade away. We renew this vision as we pray together this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. 
All we have needed, God has provided. Amen, and thanks be to God for this gift of faithfulness and mercy in our lives. Hear now these words from Paul's letter to the Philippians. I'll be reading from chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all the boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, for the gift of these words which has been preserved for us today, we give you thanks. Open our hearts and our minds that we may hear your word for us. Transform us with your love. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Much to the chagrin of my parents, I struck up an innocent quasi-dating relationship with a boy three years my senior near the end of my freshman year in high school. With each of us going to different schools, we would see one another at scheduled events and parties through the service organization where we had met. We enjoyed talking and one another's company. I still remember my mom being horrified the first time I picked up the phone to call him because, to quote her, proper young ladies don't call boys, boys call the girls. My relationship with this young man transitioned the summer after he graduated and left for boot camp. While he was away, he would write me letters. 
This was before the internet and before cell phones, and so there was no way to send an email or a text. There was no talking on the phone for us. Our only form of communication was through handwritten letters. My heart would leap with excitement every time I received a letter from him. In the upper left-hand corner on the envelope was his return address, complete with his rank and name. As a 15-year-old, I was smitten. His words spilled out onto the pages, and in his own handwriting, he shared his stories, his thoughts, and his feelings. There's something just personal and intimate about handwritten letters. Ideas, energy, and emotions move from our brains and our hearts through the pen and make their way onto paper. A handwritten letter is a different kind of connection. It's like having a tangible piece of the writer right there with you. This Lenten season, we are journeying through the letter of Philippians together. As we sit down with Paul in his jail cell, we get to explore the joy he had for the church at Philippi. As author N.T. Wright puts it, This letter makes it clear that as Paul looked at all the churches he had founded, the people of Philippi were the ones who gave him the most joy. He loved them all, but this letter breathes a confident trust and enjoyment, which we don't always find elsewhere. Last week, Pastor Mary Jo helped us begin to find our bearings with this letter, She highlighted that Paul is writing to all of the faithful, not just the commissioned leaders of the church. In other words, the words and the work of Christ are for the entire community. We were reminded that in our faithfulness, God begins a good work in each of us. We may or may not see the fruits of our work, but we are each called to be faithful It is in our faithfulness that we experience joy through our own work and through the work of others. This week, Paul's letter centers on his present circumstances. That is, that he is in prison for his faith. This is quite a turn of events from someone who he was prior to being this gospel preacher He was possibly the most notorious persecutor of the early Christians. His dramatic transformation, which you can read about in Acts chapter 9, is one of legends. Jesus got a hold of him in such a way that his life was turned upside down. He couldn't do anything but share the gospel message with others, even at the risk of his worldly freedom. Even removing worldly freedom didn't stop Paul from preaching the gospel message of love, hope, peace, justice, and freedom. In fact, he tells the Philippians that imprisonment not only didn't stop the spread of the gospel, but has actually helped it. And you know why? When people are excited about something near and dear to their hearts, When others are witness to powerful transformations, it's infectious. The reason the gospel message is so shareable is because it's so compelling. I imagine Paul sitting in his cell, 
riding by the light of day, hunched over, working to find just the right words to convey what has been happening to him. I see him selecting particular language to express how he feels about his community and how to encourage them in their faith. Just the right words to speak into their souls, to cut into their hearts, and to inspire them to be risky for the sake of the gospel. One of the reasons Paul is such a presence throughout the New Testament is because of his ability to plant new churches and keep them going. He was able to share his story, get a new church started, and continue to encourage the church in its maturing and developing. The ways Paul evangelized, even in prison, helped give confidence to others to share Christ with the world. I love the word evangelism. I know many in moderate mainline churches don't share in my adoration of this word. There are too many negative connotations associated with it. When I ask in Bible studies what others think of when they hear the word evangelism, I hear people say things like evangelism tracks, judgment, pressure to convert, fire and brimstone preachers. Several years ago, I attended a professional conference with some United Methodist clergy. During one of the breaks, my table and I got to talking about our first jobs. One person at my table shared that he had been a server in a restaurant. And though many around the table had this same experience, none of them had received a tip like he did. He shared that one night he found himself at the end of a busy and stressful shift, serving a table which included a pastor and several of the pastor's congregants. This table, he said, ended up being his most difficult of the day. It wasn't just that they were demanding and had numerous needs, it was that they were disrespectful to the way that he had been treated. He breathed a sigh of relief as they got up to leave. After they left, he made his way over to the table and picked up what appeared to be a $10 bill. His delight at seeing this $10 bill quickly changed into anger when he realized it was not actually money. It was an evangelism tract. The front page had been designed to look like a $10 bill. My colleague shares that this was before he called himself a Christian. Nothing about this experience from the way he was treated to this evangelism tract left him wanting to know more about Jesus. This is not evangelism. Evangelism literally means good news. Our job, share good news. What is good news for you? For Paul, it was that he was free no matter what. His freedom, his identity, his very life was rooted in Christ. He had been transformed in such a way that he was able to see others as beloved creations of God. 
There was nothing he would rather do than share about Christ in the world, no matter his circumstances. This is where Paul found hope and joy. We know that life is not easy, and this past year has been extremely difficult. There have been so many disappointments. There has been so much death. The United States reached 500,000 deaths this past week related to COVID. The number is staggering and depressing and overwhelming. Each person represented is a child, a sibling or a spouse or a friend. Each person has been loved by someone, each person a child of God. We've had to adapt and change in dramatic ways this past year. We've had to work more than ever to stay connected. We've failed and we've succeeded. We've tired and we've been energized. We've been all over the map. While we may not experience a literal jail like Paul, many of us have felt imprisoned in our homes, in our responsibilities, in our lives. It is in these dire circumstances that Paul spreads the gospel. Not because he had nothing else to do, but because he was compelled. Growing up in the United Methodist Church, God's love was imprinted in my heart long before I could even remember. But in my faith communities, I did not hear people sharing stories of God's activity in their lives. We talked about God in an intellectual way. We talked about serving. And what I lacked were the tools on how to connect my heart, God's activity in my life, to the intellect and the service part of my faith. That all changed after what I call my spiritual awakening my encounter with God through the bluebird 11 years ago. Soon after this experience, I felt God prompting me to share my experience with others. Let's just say it this way, I was terrified. I was worried people wouldn't believe me or that they would reject me. And so I ran my dilemma across a trusted woman who is wise and very mature in her faith. And what she said changed my entire perspective. Jennifer, you had the experience, but it isn't yours to keep. My story did happen to me. It changed me beyond my own personal experience. And perhaps more importantly, it was and is a part of God's much bigger story a story which includes transformation, reconciliation, and redemption. It is a story which must be told because it is the, one of the ways that God's kingdom grows. Your story, my story, our collective story as a church community is important. They are important because they serve as witness to God's beauty and activity in the midst of a broken and hurting world. This is a part of the hope that we find in Jesus, and it deserves to be shared. This Lenten season, our collective story will be penned by the congregation, by you. 
We are taking inspiration from Paul and incorporating the personal and intimate act of writing letters into our Lenten disciplines. In the pastor's bi-weekly devotions, there will be prompts for letter writing. At times, you'll be invited to write letters to other people. At times, you'll be invited to write letters to yourself. And even at times, you'll be prompted to write letters to God. In each of these, you are encouraged to practice different ways of articulating your heart and your faith. If you don't receive the devotions and would like to, simply go to our website, stonybrook.church, scroll to the bottom of the screen, and click on sign up for the weekly newsletter. We know that every single industry has been affected by the pandemic. We also know it has been especially challenging for our educators. And as a church community, we want to be a blessing. We want to be able to thank and encourage our Gahanna teachers and staff through letters. This is a tangible way that each of us can share our faith and our hearts. Emily Keener, our Director of Missions and Outreach, has developed a system for you to sign up to write a letter or two or three or even more to our Gahanna educators. You simply need to go to stonybrook.church missions. You will find more information along with the sign-up genius. Ben Lilly is going to post a link uh, in the Facebook comments and the YouTube comments as well. You are invited to ponder your faith, ponder the ways that Jesus offers you hope, and share with these educators your words of thanksgiving and how their good and faithful work offers hope to our community. Pour your heart and pour yourself into your letter so that the ways God has transformed you shows up in your carefully chosen words and the piece of you which will be left on the page. Friends, the opening of Paul's letter to the Philippians is exactly how I feel about Stony Brook. His carefully chosen words express my heart perfectly. Though it's been a tough year and we've been apart longer than we were ever together, you are near and dear to my heart. You are a beloved, beautiful community filled with joy, encouragement, and hope. In the words of Paul, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. May each of us be so moved, so compelled by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we share it in all times and in all places, spreading hope and joy no matter our circumstances. May it be so for each of us. Amen.
faithful giving continues to spread hope to the missions and ministries that uh, Stony Brook Church supports. This past week, we are excited to share that Stony Brook sent $500 each to Kairos and the New Home Project, both prison ministries that are near and dear to the heart of Stony Brook Church. Thank you for all of the ways that you offer yourself to God through Stony Brook Church. As always, you can give your financial gifts online through stonybrook.church give or by simply mailing your giving in to the church office. Hear now these words as we leave this place and go out spreading the good news of Jesus Christ into our world. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. 